Welcome to the Propaganda Report, news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. I'm Brad Binkley, live with video on Rockfin, here with Cam Harless of the Mad Ones podcast, helping us out in Monica's absence. Monica will be back next week. Thank you for joining us today, Cam. And thank you to everyone who's watching us live. For those of you listening, who are only listening, we now do the DMB live on Thursdays on Rockfin with video and interactive chat. It's fun. It's an experiment. We like it so far. We're going to continue doing it each Thursday. So if you want to join in the fun next week, go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Subscribe there. Along with the live shows, you'll get our deep dives, our premium content, and you'll also get all of the premium content of all of the other Rockfin content providers as well. For just $9.99 a month, now, Cam, how was your show last night? You had a fantastic show. Tell the audience about it a little bit. Briefly. It was good. Uh, we have been doing a kind of spooky October. And so we started the month with a, with true crime. Then we talked about the kind of the uh, ancient Hebrew conception of angels, demons, spiritual beings. Last night, we talked to a man who does exorcisms today. And so we we went through different signs of what it meant or how he could tell if someone was demon possessed, what the different levels were, how, how you had to invite them in. Like it was all wow. sorts of interesting stuff that happened last night. It's a, it's a long episode. Like all of the interesting ones are, it's kind of like how Joe Rogan works, where if he's having a good time on a conversation, it lasts longer than if he's not. So it was a good long conversation. We always go over two hours with Brad. So that's kind of like the, the thing like Brad and Monica always go, we always go over two hours and Monica's always like, can we do 90 minutes? And I'm like, it's not my fault. I try to get out an hour and a half and you're still talking. <laughs> it's always fun on your podcast. And that terrifies me. The Halloween spooky stuff. I like it, but that also has always kind of been one of those things where we like, it's not a Ouija board thing because they're taking the demons out, but I don't want to get anywhere near a Ouija board. That's yeah, we talked personally. about that too. Yeah. All right. So first story of the day, we'll start off with something that I think is just a lot of fun, but I do think it is going somewhere. Tuesday night, politics made its way into the post-game show of the Boston Red Sox-Houston Astros playoff baseball game in the MLB. These post-game shows, if you've never seen them, the ones in the playoffs anyway, they're events in and of themselves. They're like little parties. The way they do it is they have the broadcasters sitting outside in public view with the crowd behind them bustling and cheering and often celebrating the announcers or celebrating what happened in the game. And they are broadcast live on television directly after the game. During Tuesday's post-game show, which was broadcast just outside of Fenway Park in Boston, broadcaster and former New York Yankee Alex Rodriguez was attempting to provide commentary about the game, but his words were drowned out by powerful, loud chants of, you guessed it, let's go Brandon, let's go Brandon, drowning out the post-game analysis of the Red Sox-Astros playoff game. And... You couldn't hear a word he said. It was fantastic. All you could focus on was the chanting, and you know they heard it. You know that Alex Rodriguez and the other broadcasters heard it, but they are just ignoring it. This is the pink elephant in every live broadcast room going on in the country right now at sporting events is these Let's Go Brandon chants that the broadcasters are ignoring and pretending aren't happening. If you ignore the pink elephant in the room, the only thing people are going to think about 
is the pink elephant. So it's actually going to draw more attention to these chants. But that wasn't the only gem that came out of Boston. The day before, the playoff game before, during the post-game live broadcast, A-Rod, again, who's a Yankee, and the Red Sox hate the Yankees, the fans got behind him and began chanting J-Lo and Ben Affleck. Because A-Rod dated J-Lo, and J-Lo broke up with A-Rod and went and started dating Affleck, or whatever his name is, the actor. And so the fans were, the Boston Red Sox fans are behind A-Rod, the former Yankees player, chanting J-Lo, J-Lo, Ben Affleck. They're just just harassing him. (laughs) And I think that this is, so as much as I love the Let's Go Brandon meme, and I absolutely love it, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Did y'all talk about that? Yeah, we did. We talked about okay. with the the NASCAR race where the, yeah. the guy with their chain, let's go, or uh, F. Joe Biden. And I love it. Let's go, Brandon, is what it became. That's the uh, way to say F. Joe Biden without actually swearing. But that is going to be targeted by the media. I can already see it. The more popular it gets, the more it spreads, the sooner we will see the ACLU classify it as some sort of hate speech bullying the sooner we will see anderson cooper have some guest on his show crying saying that he used to be named brandon but he had to change his name because right-wing extremists were harassing him with let's go brandon the the more popular it gets the sooner the fbi declares let's go brandon as a signal of domestic terrorism because they try and co-opt and do that to absolutely anything that is mimetic and fun and we already saw them attempt to do this one time with the aok symbol a simple position that some people's hands rest in normally the media for a long time has said is a racist dog whistle so look for let's go brandon to become a divisive right-wing left-wing radicalization talking point in the media i guarantee you that's coming up and then and i say about a month and a half i just with the let's go brandon i can't love that situation enough the the origin of it because that was a live view at propagandists trying to take over a situation and to turn a situation into something else and it blew back on them like uh you know the white pow- the the okay symbol white power something you know where, how that started right that was on 8chan or something like that? I believe it was 4chan. It, it could have been 8chan. I get them confused. I, I love almost everything that 4chan does to troll people because, you know, they just put up an infographic of the okay and said that the, you know, the this part means the W is a W and the circle is the uh, circle down is the P. So that's white power. And I just love that. I love that we see these. Uh, like transparent attempts to propagandize or turn people's frustration into something else or to devalue it and demoralize people. And it's just like, no, we're going to keep going with it and you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. And the media tries to capture it and weaponize it to just turn anything into a symbol of domestic terrorism and hate. And I just wonder how long people are going to accept that. I don't really think a lot of people are. I just think the media tries to tell us that people are accepting that. But I, like I said, I love Let's Go Brandon, but I expect it because they are not going to let it just continue to unfiltered, you know, 
chance being going on at these live events. They will use this as a reason to crack down on live events. They'll use it as a reason to further or try to attempt to regulate the algorithm of Facebook, which Facebook is perfectly open to anyway, because they're going to benefit from it. But they use all of these things as reason for more crackdown, more control, more suppression of free speech. But let's go, Brandon. Never let's forget go, that. Brandon. <laughs> Another story that's in the news today that I do want to touch on here for a minute, but not for the reasons that most people are talking about. And that is that FBI had a press conference yesterday and they announced that apparent human remains, apparent human remains, as well as items belonging to Brian Laundry, including a backpack and a notebook and some weird plastic bag were found yesterday inside Carlton Reserve, which is like a hiking trail in the Appalachian, uh, uh, something like this. Apparently, it's pretty dangerous. And they say the items were found in an area that up until recently have been submerged in water hmm. and is kind of near where his car was found a while ago. And the really strange part of the details, and I don't want to harp on these strange parts too much because I want to focus on what the broader takeaways of this story, the impact that it's going to have on just America uh, down the road. But the strange detail was that his parents were part of the search team and they apparently went down there on their own and were seen shopping the day before. And then somebody told the FBI that the parents were going to go looking for the body. And so the FBI kind of got together with them and the dad found this dry plastic bag of which they don't tell us is inside of in any of these stories thus far. And he found it when the police were somewhere else. So that raises a, a number of questions. And he found it apparently in the presence of a reporter that I guess he had brought along himself. And he didn't want to touch the bag at first because the cops weren't around. So he got his reporter friend to record it. I would love to see that video. I haven't seen it yet, but you can rig that anyway. Yeah. But it's kind of strange. Why would the police let this guy who's, been suspicious according to the media reports anyway go looking without having some sort of police supervision with him that just seems very yeah. bizarre to me and I, it's almost like one of those bad movies where they're leaving too many hints saying look over here it's gonna be this person it's the conspiracy it seems like some bait for conspiracy theories in my opinion, but I, I don't know. This whole yeah. thing is bizarre and they're obviously not telling us a lot of what's going on. I know you had some comments on that. I have some yeah. broader points I want to make, but uh, I want to hear what you had to say about this. All I was going to say is that um, at least the defense believes that remains are Brian Laundrie's. Um, and I was talking to a guy last night who lives in the area and he he was saying, and I can't verify this, so take this with a grain of salt. Uh, he got a call from uh, someone that he knows that works in the medical examiner's office, and it looks like the human remains were shot. So I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. I can't verify it. But from what I'm hearing directly from some people who were close to it, it sounds like uh, he may have been murdered himself. And so that would be a very interesting way for this to go, especially if there was some kind of media, uh, not media, um, vigilante response that was caused by media, because you saw how many people were outside of his house the days before he disappeared. 
Yeah, I, I'm just I we got breaking news possibly from you just right now, Cam. I really I appreciate that. <laughs> that is the question is, are the remains his? Because they say that they, they don't know yet. They say that they appear to be remains. What about the parents? The focus is going to turn to the parents. I do want to point out that. While everybody in the country has kind of convicted Brian Laundry already based yeah. on what we've seen through our screens, what we've seen on social media. We do live in America and we do, or we used to pride ourselves in the justice system and innocent until proven guilty in due process of law, even though he appears absolutely guilty and he may very well be guilty and we may never know, or we, or we may find out, I don't know. He still should have the due process of law. And America seems more and more to no longer take pride in that due process of law and to instead take pride in trial by social media, trial by media and or trial by mob, really. And that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place that we're going. And I think that speaks to what impact this kind of story has on America broadly, a lasting impact along with a few other things. So here's some takeaways that that I was thinking about from this story that got so much attention. One, the FBI welcomes crowdsourced social media-based murder investigations and manhunts. That is something that we know is true now. This isn't even the first time this has happened this year. The other crowdsourced FBI investigation via social media and the digital world is the January 6th sedition hunters, both of which these two groups, the nerds. ones that we're searching on. Yeah. Nerds. And <laughs> the FBI asked for their help. They praised their help when they got it and they continue to encourage them. And even after this press conference at the end, the FBI agent praised the help he got from the public. And he said he still wants more tips coming in, which makes it seem like they're still looking for something there. But, this FBI allowing the crowdsourced social media mob to basically be the lead investigators on this case and in a lot of ways on the January 6th case where they're just going around on people's Facebook pages and saying, ah, ha, ha, it looks like that person might have walked in front of the Capitol on January 6th. I better call the FBI. They're training a public to be not just ready, but eager to see some sort of criminal wrong or some sort of sort of moral wrong as determined by the FBI and then to enthusiastic enthusiastically without hesitation call the FBI and say I see someone 100 feet away who vaguely looks like that very generic fugitive Brian Laundry you better come out here and kick down his hotel room door and stick your finger inside his ear to see if his inner ear canal matches the inner ear canal of Brian Laundry which is something that happened when federal marshals busted down the door of a guy who was hiking in the on, on the, the same trail, poor Severin. Severin, that's right. And I started, I was thinking about that. How do they even get Brian's inner ear print or whatever it was? I just find it weird that the first thing they go to when they bust in this guy's doors are hold him down. Let me check his inner ear <laughs> instead of checking the hand tattoo, which we talked about yesterday. We don't – what bothers me about this is people are eager to do that, especially when that prize is offered, yet we go to a train in Pennsylvania or a subway car, and people won't even lift a finger when there is a woman being right. raped five feet 
away from them. Or they will lift a finger, except that finger will be lifted only to hit record on their cell phones while they record the incident. Perhaps the FBI should prioritize people, I don't know, reporting or stopping a rape that's going on right in front of them instead of sitting there idly by. Perhaps they should offer rewards for that instead of this mystery that they have created. So they know that they can galvanize a certain demographic of people. This is a, a second broader takeaway. And this is kind of a psychological behavioral takeaway that the FBI has in their back pocket now. They know they can organize and activate a large base of young people through social media if they have the right mystery murder mystery or disappearance and they have a beautiful victim yeah a lot of people mobilize around racial justice or they mobilize around gender equality other people can be mobilized around a good mystery and a beautiful victim and that's a powerful thing for the fbi to know when we have these mass communication technologies that can span the planet instantaneously i'll take a breath you take a breath but I think that that's a good uh, social media conversation. It's good to mention. Did you hear? Um, I, I no, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the final story. I didn't see it was down there. I'll move on to what what I was gonna. The other thing, um, Jelaine Maxwell. So there is a very brief update on her trial, which is supposed to be coming up. They're entering into the jury selection. Uh, shortly. And so Jelaine Maxwell uh, really wanted, and her lawyers really wanted to seal the questions that were asked of the jury, the potential jury, to be kept away from the public and to have their own attorneys do the questioning rather than the judge. Because they wanted to, they want to keep all this stuff secret. And so she actually lost that bid. The, the judge said, no, I'm going to do the questions. It's all going to be public. Uh, the, the First Amendment uh, allows the reporting of this. So we're going to do that. And so she's, it sounds like she's losing, but more to me, it sounds like she's getting closer and closer to being killed in prison. Do you think she's actually in prison? Have we seen a picture of her yet? Well, I mean, it, the, the official story is that she'll have suicide. She'll do a suicide in prison, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where she is. I think her entire story is completely bizarre the fact that she was in the same place as roman polanski where they can't extradite her and she just happens to show up in rhode island where they can pick her up like what kind of i none of it makes sense there was some deal struck i don't know what the deal is but i think this may just be bread and circuses but i you know if they if they push it too far if there are good judges trying to do things that woman may end up dead if she isn't dead already. And I know yeah. if we're taking it at face value, then you're right. That thing is bizarre to me. The fact that we haven't seen a photograph of her. We, the only photograph we've seen of her recently was the one that came out a couple of years ago in the in and out Burger, I think it was, sitting outside that turned out to be an old photograph from years before. And the other photographs we've seen of her have been drawings from sketches yeah. from the courtroom. I don't know what's going on with that or what the final shooter drop on that is going to be, but uh, that whole story, it's yeah. kind of upsetting because the things that have gotten really buried about that whole story, and I did mention this briefly on the XR the other day, are the people who 
helped Jeffrey Epstein get that plea deal. And it was not Jim Acosta, like the media tried to Jim Acosta from Alex Acosta. Yes, not Acosta, Acosta, Trump's guy. And he was he was the prosecutor, but he was pressured by all these you know, these lawyer teams and the plea negotiation letter is what really helped him get off. And the plea negotiation letter was endorsed by Bill Clinton. It was endorsed by the Rockefeller Foundation, by the Trilateral Commission. And there's a few others in there, too. And they're all these big globalist organizations in the Clintons. And that got buried among all of this Jeffrey Epstein stuff. And it's probably never going to see the light of day. It's really and you can read the plea negotiation letter. It's out there. It it can be read. And I I, I don't think I think what I, I like watching this because I like seeing how they're uh, dragging, trying to drag us along by our noses because they're never going to let her talk. They're never going yeah. to let her say anything. We're never going to learn anything. Uh, we may find out that she died or that she was all, always dead. We may find out nothing, but they really want us to feel like there's justice and that there's something that can be done when they're the ones that are, making sure the justice isn't done. So we'll learn nothing, but it's fun to see what they do. It's fun to see what they leak out there to see how we react to it. Yeah, it's been fun over the past five years or so or six years to see them slowly but surely eliminate all of the actually revealing videos and information about that case from the Internet and from YouTube. There used to be some pretty good stuff, but it's been kind of stripped away because it implicates the Clintons more so than it does Trump. And they did not like that. So and McAfee knew something. When I you when think? I talked to him, oh well, yeah, you he, told, him. he told he told me he did. Um, he told me he knew the guy who killed Epstein. He knew who the person was. Uh, he told me that uh, it, it was randomly uh, that Epstein never uh, touched the girls because he was gay. So it was if it was anything, it was little boys. And it was like he told me all this stuff. And I'm not saying that they they're the ones who killed him, but the way he was talking and the way things happened. I do think John McAfee knew more about Jeffrey Epstein than we will ever know. Yeah. I want to read a quick comment. Ism Kant says, forget about Ghislaine. At least they finally figured out the Vegas shooting thing. The people responsible <laughs> right. are in, in custody. There's another one we can go down a rabbit hole on, which they actually used to clean up the Internet based on that case as well. So we talked yesterday about the officers in Chicago who are. <laughs> it just I'm sorry. Real quick. Officers in Chicago, one story that I didn't put in the in the list, but made me laugh uh, just because I'm a horrible person, was that a, a officer in Chicago accident, accidentally discharged, not negligently discharged his weapon and shot two other officers. And I just I don't know why I laugh at that. Are they are they OK? <laughs> I did not look. <laughs> I don't they didn't look like they were dead. It just looked like they got shot. But yeah, well, ho- hopefully, <laughs> if they're if they're okay, then that could be a, a more humorous story. <laughs> as far as I know, they're okay, which is why I left. But go ahead with your story. Sorry, <laughs> we talked about the officers that were refusing to comply with Chicago's vaccine vaccine card. They have to show their vaccine card, or they have to be tested twice a week. And a lot of officers were not going to do that. Like three thousand of them were going to end up possibly losing their pay and losing their job, and they now have an opportunity that has come up because 
action, and they this is an action they took. They took a bold action by making it known that they weren't cool with this. Action generates opportunity. And I think that everybody who is afraid right now about what's going on with the vaccine mandates and the pressures of not being able to work or not being able to participate in society in certain ways, take note of this story because I think that this is happening across the board and will continue the more people take bold action. The state of Indiana, the neighboring state, is now recruiting those Chicago officers who are pissed off about the mandates. And a tweet from the one of the official accounts of the state of Indiana police, they said, the tweet says, hey, Chicago police officers, we're hiring. No vaccine mandate. Apply today at statetrooper.com. Lower taxes, great schools, welcoming communities. And then U.S. Senator Mike Braun said in a tweet later that evening, welcome to Indiana. My office stands ready to help connect Chicago police officers to an Indiana police department that is hiring now and doesn't have a vaccine mandate. And this is what needs to happen right here. This type of thing these officers now have an option. Now, are they all going to leave Chicago and go to Indiana? They probably not. There's probably some that will, but probably not that many. But what it is, is if it comes down to it, if it comes down to feeding their family, then they have another door that has opened because they took the bold action to stand up for what they believed in. When you stand up for what you believe in, especially especially for what you believe in, you make it known other people who share those beliefs, who have opportunities to use your skill set, to use your knowledge, they too will stand up and they will possibly open a door for you. And that is what has happened here. And I think the more afraid people are, and we see this, people are scared into silence by the media. And when we're scared into silence, we start to believe that we are of the minority opinion, that spiral of silence. When in reality, that's not the case. The media makes it seem like it's one-sided, but it's absolutely not. And as people start to speak up, as that silent majority becomes vocal, then it gives other people confidence to become vocal. And then people start saying, hey, I'll work with you. And that parallel society can then be created. I love this story and good job for Indiana for doing that. I love that it's kind of like an Uno reverse card where they're like, we're going to fire you if you don't do this. And they're like, "Uh uh-uh, no you because you're going to lose your jobs because you're going to run out of officers. We're going to be over here. Really, Chicago is the worst place for crime anyway. And they were talking about the Magnificent Mile, that beautiful shopping strip in downtown Chicago. I used to live in Chicago. And it it was gorgeous. It is apparently now just destroyed. Violence, robberies. This is according to the news. I haven't been there, but that's a shame that they're letting – the city kind of crumble even more so over these mandates. It seems intentional to me. I say that all the time, but it definitely seems like they're kind of destabilizing using these, using these mandates. Um, There there can be new, there can be new heroes though. Of course, there's always the national guard that can save us. Right. That's what they're absolutely. But we're going to, we're going to save that one because we're going to go to the, we're going to go to the segue. I know it was a great segue, but we're running Gosh. a little bit, a little bit tight on time. So we're going to save that one for the DNB XR. The story about the National Guard, the White House has actually been talking about deploying the National Guard to help with these supply chain issues. All right, before we get to that <laughs> final story of the Free Thirty, which is going to be about three reasons why Donald Trump's new social media platform will fail, according to CNN. I'm guessing. I'm guess that sounds like a CNN Chris 
Kaliza headline is what that sounds like, actually. So I'm interested to hear why they think it will fail. I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the DNBXR, which is simply why you shouldn't do drugs and streak across a football field because there's consequences. And also we're going to talk about the National Guard perhaps being brought in to do yet another job that was previously done by private citizens. But before we do all that, I want to thank our sponsor of today's show, which is True Hemp Science, truehempscience.com slash prop report. Prop code is the discount. You prop code in all caps when you check out there. They are your CBD experts. And what makes True Hemp Science different is that they create handcrafted, quality, full-spectrum CBD products by sourcing the highest-grade hemp from around the world. My personal favorite is their Acapulco Gold Lotion with hemp extract. It smells great, smells natural, and their T-shirts are great. Every time I wear their T-shirt, somebody says, hey, dude, cool T-shirt. It is a cool T-shirt. And the best part about True Hemp Science is their personal experience they will give you. So any questions you have, you can call them up, you can email them, they will answer your questions because we are just now learning more and more about hemp and about the healing qualities, the soothing qualities. I rub it on my knee after I play basketball. They got, they got great products and they will help you understand it and find what you need. Can I just say about True Hemp Science, Chris sent me a care package one time and I tried all the different products, uh, but the the CBD oil and the CBD, CBG oil, what surprised me about it, and this is like, you may think if you don't like the way this tastes as a bad thing, but the this was the first CBD oil or CBD tincture that I put in my mouth that tasted like hemp. It didn't taste like some weird lemon thing. It didn't taste like it tasted like it should. And so that in and of itself made me go, oh, this is real and this is good stuff. So definitely check them out. Fantastic. Yeah. TrueHempScience.com slash prop report prop code at your checkout for that discount. Cam, tell us about that CNN article, I'm guessing, about why Trump's social media platform is going to fail. I think this is the second one he's tried to launch. <laughs> In a CNN article by Chris Kalisi. Kalisi. I knew it. He did not <laughs> tell me that before the show. I'm just so familiar with Chris Kalisi's stupid writing that I could spot that a mile away. <laughs> Three reasons why Donald Trump's new social media failure media company is doomed to fail. Um, and so this is not the first kind of social media that's centered around uh, this new right conservatism. You know, there was Parler that went around for a while, which I always said was a honeypot. Um, then more recently, one of Trump's associates uh, came out with something called Gitter, G-E-T-T-R. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I signed up for just out of curiosity. And it was like, if you don't hook me with your app in like, 10 minutes, I'm going to delete it. I deleted that app. But Trump is going directly into it. So the the downside for Trumpites when it came to these other um, Twitter clones was that Trump wasn't on them. There may be like press presser things that came through it, but Trump's supposed to be coming directly <laughs> – is supposed to be directly on this app. Hey, now. <laughs> and so the name of the app is Truth Social with capital. All truth is all capitalized. T-R-U-T-H, the most boomer way to name an app I've ever seen in my life. And so get this, this app, instead of 
so it's a Twitter Truth clone. social. And yeah. So like on Twitter, you have tweets on parlor. Uh, what was it that they called them on parlor? I can't remember, but it was dumb. Um, but um, th- on truth social, you're not going to be tweeting. You're going to be truthing and, t- and truthing out truths. And you're <laughs> truthing out truths. Yeah. So they're called truths rather than tweets. And I just find that hilarious. Um, so I, this was just this petty, petty ass um, article. Oh, well, you know why it's going to fail? It's because uh, Twitter already exists. Also, um, the conservative social space is crowded and not doing well. You saw what happened with Parler when they shut them down. Obviously, it wouldn't work well if Trump tried it. And his final reason, his third reason, what do you think his third reason is? What do you think would be a good reason to say it wouldn't wouldn't work? Because it'll be inhabited by far right extremist Nazis who were participating in January 6th. No, he literally his his third reason is Donald Trump isn't president anymore. That is so stupid. (laughs) He's like, he's like, you know, Trump doesn't have nearly as much coverage as he did when he was on Twitter. And, you know, people aren't really looking to hear from him anymore. Has he seen the Trump does rallies all the time and they don't show him on mainstream media a lot, but they are packed out. I saw some videos of the one that was here in Georgia because Garland Favorito, who we interview a lot, he spoke at it. Trump Trump's team called him and asked him to come speak at it because he's working or was working on the the vote stuff here, the election integrity stuff. And when Garland got up there and it was like Axl Rose in the 80s getting on stage, I asked him, I was like, man, I felt like panties were about to get thrown at you when you got up there. It was a rock and roll party. He's out of his mind. It's, this is what the media does. The, the media, we talked earlier about A-Rod and those broadcasters trying to give their commentary about the All-Star, or not the All-Star game, the Major League Baseball playoff game, while in the background, just over overwhelming them was the let's go Brandon chance. I mean, that's, that's all you could hear. They're still trying to say, yeah, well, the baseball game, this now everybody's paying attention to let's go Brandon. The media tries to ignore the reality that's going on that everybody can hear loud and clear. And they try and present this complete fabricated reality that, that is the complete opposite of it. And that is what that article says to me. You're exactly right. If Trump gets on a platform, it doesn't matter what the platform is. It will be very popular and be effective. That's all that he has to do. And let's talk about like, I'm not a Trump fan when it comes to politics, but I am a Trump fan on Twitter. I am a fan of his pettiness. Did you see his, um, his little um, press release when Colin Powell died? Did you, did was you hear that what he wrote? Real? Yeah. Was that a real press release? Yes. That is hilarious. And that's the thing. I don't, I don't care for him to be president, but I want him on Twitter. I, I love, I love it. It's like, it's like the best kind of boomer bait that you could ever see. Like I just, Mm -hmm. so yeah, like I'm not going to download truth and become a truther that truths, truths. I'm not going to do that, but (laughs) I love the idea of him coming back into a space where they have to deal with him again. It is funny because if the media were to report on anything that he truthed out, they'd either have to come up with a new way of talking about it or they'd oh, have yeah. to be former disgraced President Trump on Saturday, truthed on truther.com <laughs> that the election was rigged. 
I mean, that that's such a troll in and of itself. Forcing them it. to that's great. I, I hope that that one works out. People have told me that I am a good troll, but Donald Trump is the best troll that has ever existed. Yeah, he's a, he's an entertainer. That's what he is. And, that's that's what he that that was his skill set. Entertaining. And, and I'll be honest, just because this Chris Kaliza dude sounds like a little uh, uh, female dog. I, I want to see it work. I want to see it. I want to see it succeed. Just just so that he has this article out there and people are like, hey, remember? Remember when you were a, a big dipwad? That's all yeah. I want. I just want him to I just want him to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris <laughs> Kaliza is like a wannabe Jeffrey Tubin, so he'll get there one day. I'm sure he'll get there. All right. I think that wraps up for today's show. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Cam. We're going to go do some more in the DNBXR. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform in the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that I was telling you about or these live Thursday shows, you can go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report or you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and check out our different tier offerings there as well. Thank you for listening and have a fantastic rest of your day. We have a special interview dropping tomorrow. It's a great one. I'm going to leave the tease of that. Have a great weekend.